This guy has got such a good vibe. I really think you've got something here. I'm really gonna take a chance now. Lindsay, will you go to opening day with me? <laughs> yes. I will destroy you with my turbo glove, the ultimate weapon against the robot threat. But to be a true hero, you'll have to save your girlfriend. Hey, what's that in your head? It's a, it's a, it's a comic book. What's it about? It's about a turbo rider. What was it you said to me before? yippee ki motherfucker. <laughs> That's all. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. And welcome back to Podcast 19. Um, I'm your host, Monster Dugan. I'm here with my uh, co-host, John Schatzer. Um, Yo. If you haven't noticed from uh, episode one to this episode, it went from uh, the title of the podcast went from Podcast 13 to Podcast 19. The reason being we found a... uh, podcast that has been out for quite a while it's not on imdb or anything like that so i mean it's it's legit but it's kind of not legit but um they do have you know 100 or so episodes out but it's it's a podcast based on the uh, tv show the uh, warehouse 13 which i've seen a few episodes back in the day and it wasn't half bad but uh so we don't want to be one of the dudes uh, the the male agent guy from that show yeah man he actually he actually grew up in a town maybe 40 minutes from where i live now and actually he's kind of like a local it's weird because like you know he'll like regular folks wouldn't notice it but like he was like wearing sweatshirts and stuff from around this area like from schools and stuff around the area so it was always kind of cool i've watched every episode of love the warehouse 13 but we're also like six wouldn't be six times but we're like six spots higher cooler see that's why we're 19 instead of 13 now yeah yeah exactly yeah, 13 so, yeah just a little change in the name not much uh not much else going on I mean, everything's gonna stay the same we're just gonna uh, talk about a shit ton of movies and cool stuff and let you know about things you might you might not have heard of uh we have really cool stuff set up for today too man um a lot of uh cool things to talk about so uh, we decided up front uh, before we got into this episode that we wanted to uh, share uh, with you guys our list of our top five favorite movies of all time uh, from each of us, which we have done on the Shitty Shark Show once before. Um, but if you can't find that episode or haven't heard that and you're listening to this, well, you, you got your chance to find out now. This is just to give people a little bit of uh, you know, insight into to who we are as moviegoers and well, what kind of stuff we like. So. And, and actually, when I did that list for Shitty Shark Show... It was my favorite horror films. Um, oh, do we do we never do the, our t- our top five? I don't think we did like top five regular movies. It was always like horror flicks or genre flicks. Because okay. yeah, I, I think we had the discussion of, of is that sci-fi, is that horror? And I was of the opinion if it's got a monster 
even if it's sci-fi, it's also kind of horror. So yeah, I mean it's a monster. <laughs> I always consider monster movies horror. I mean, even yeah. if they are strictly sci-fi, it's still horror. Like Alien, it's still a horror movie. Yeah, it's a, well, Alien is <laughs> basically a um, um, friggin' um, geez, man, my brain just went. Uh, it's a haunted house in space, so you know it's got to oh, be yeah. a horror film. Oh yeah, definitely, and monsters. I mean, yeah, and made yeah. by you know one of the greats. So, but uh, yeah. and Sigourney Weaver's in her underwear. Yeah, well, I mean, if you know, if you liked her back then, I think she's much better looking now. You know, nowadays. Or... I I I I don't complain um, of any vintage of Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, she's uh, definitely up there as one of the top uh, final girls. I guess you would say. You yeah, know. nobody ever nobody ever talks about her though. It's weird. Yeah, well, some of the a lot of the horror nerds I know that's their favorite female character. You know, so yeah. But but yeah, so uh, so I guess we'll jump into it. Um, we do have, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Pope's Exorcist coming up here towards the end, and we got a couple little surprises in between, um, but uh, I guess we'll jump off here with our uh, our top five favorites, so uh, did you want to go first, or me go first, and I guess we'll go uh, five to one, you know. Yeah, our- should we go five to one? I will warn everybody, um, my number two through five, they're kind of interchangeable in my head, they're all kind of, what depending on what mood I'm in. My number one all fa- all-time favorite movie is my number one all-time favorite movie and and never gets bumped off top of the list but the other the other four can kind of so so somebody's like well that should be number three not number four guys depending on my mood or what time of year it is or what what i want to watch the first four that i'm going to talk about can kind of like float in that back and forth this white spots does it make sense i don't know oh yeah yeah no totally makes sense i mean if you know for for those who are listening and stuff that you know yeah um, which I mean, you know, some I have interchangeable ones too, but that's in my six through ten, and you know, it just depends. And then you know, the longer the longer the list gets and stuff. But uh, my, you know, same is same for me. My my favorites, uh, they hardly ever change. The top spot and hasn't changed, you know, pretty much ever. But um, but yeah, I guess we'll jump into it. So, uh, did you want to go first? You want me to go first? Or uh, I'll start. I'll start with my number five. Okay, go for it. My number five all-time favorite movie is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made, Die Hard. And it's oh, a Christmas yeah. movie, so yeah, it's there's Rapid Paper, Ho, 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 and um, there's Eggnog and um, People Snorting Coke. That's all, that's everything that, that ever happens at Christmas at my house, so there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, there's no terrorists, which that's the one big, you know, you know, downside that we don't have yeah. to deal with, which is nice. But yeah, you well, know, I mean, plus side, downside, however you look at it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I love that movie. Uh I'm not so much a fan of Bruce Willis anymore. I know he's going through a, a lot of stuff recently with uh, his disease that he's got and everything, but uh, yeah. I'm a that- big Kevin Smith fan and for those that know about Kevin Smith and that stuff, uh, you know, it's it's I mean Kevin says it's water under the bridge, but I've kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think as much of the man ever since then. But, um, you know, this was before uh, well, all came out. So, yeah. And and also, I don't think that much of Kevin Smith after what he did with He-Man. So, you know, <laughs> I used to be a big Kevin Smith fan. I thought he was one of us. And now I'm like, nah, he sold out. He's a hypocrite. Uh, I still believe he's one of us, but, you know, it's uh, well, if one of us. Uh, you're right. You're right. If somebody threw a shit ton of money to me to lie to the fan base and, and remake oh, yeah. a cartoon that I don't give a oh, shit man. about, I probably would take the money. So I guess I'm one of him. 
Well, it's like John Carpenter said when they came and approached him about Rob Zombie doing the the remake to Halloween, and he said, "Hey, man, when they approached me with a big bag of money, what do you expect me to say?" You know? Yeah. <laughs> and he voiced his opinion later, saying he didn't like it. You know? So I mean, <laughs> he had to wait. Yeah. A, wait a few I, years. It just gets old, Kevin Smith crying all the damn time. Yeah. But no, I really do love Die Hard and uh, Alan Rickman in it. Uh, classic. You know? I mean, oh, one yeah. of the one of the greatest villains of all time. In that. I was about to say that. that's got to be uh, one of the best for, villain roles ever. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, definitely up there with any of the other tops that you can say. So, yeah, that's, I mean, and, you know, even though it's, is it a Christmas movie? Is it not? It's, it doesn't really matter. It's, uh, it's, you can watch it any time of year. So. Yep. So Die Hard's my number five. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, yeah. So my uh, number five is, uh, I don't really have any really romantic comedy stuff and in, in everything uh, in any of my really top spots except for this one uh which is 500 days of summer uh because i know you've given me shit about it before but i love zoe dash now and i think that that movie um doing some of the stuff where they show you like the expectations versus the reality and the fact that uh you know spoilers if you haven't seen it it's so old now uh but you know that he doesn't get the girl you know that's i just love that whole aspect of that movie and so you know i once i saw it in the theaters it just stuck with me and i always have loved that one ever since and i think you know some great acting in it with uh chloe grace moretz and um uh joseph Gordon. yeah just to be clear i don't think i've ever given you a shit about zoe deschanel i think i think she's she's a quirky talented actress and i like her um i just don't like 500 days of summer Oh, okay, maybe that and was what I it also was. think um, that Gordon Levitt dude is one of the vortexes that sucks charisma right out of whatever he's in. Really? I love him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but only in a, listen, listen he, in a supporting role, like the one Batman movie, he could be good in a supporting role, but when he's supposed to be the set, he he's he's a he's I just like that movie's way better when the supporting cast is on screen when it's just him or him dealing with shit it's kind of like yeah i guess i guess you're right on that that is very true i haven't really thought of it like that uh which you know i can't really name a whole lot of movies that i really loved him in but i mean there are a few but well that the majority are that that, the movie he played that one batman movie that he was in the last one that that, what's his face did um He's good in that role. He's really good in that role. I'm not saying he's a, I, I won't come on here and say he's not a good actor because he, when he's in the right part, he's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think he can carry a film. And that's not the, you know, that's not the, that doesn't mean the, the guy sucks. Um, because obviously he can do shit that we can't do. So we can't sit there. I mean, he yeah. can actually act. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm no actor. <laughs> but there, you know, there's just some people have charisma and some people, don't and i don't think he's charismatic yeah i I, the reason why i love that movie is because to me it is an anti-romantic comedy so that's kind of the reason why i love it it's ironic to me in that fact that you know he doesn't get the girl at the end that's why i love that movie and of course zoe deschanel is super have have you seen war of the roses yeah uh is that that's the old one right from the uh was it like it's not old i was in college when it came out (laughs) i was in high school when it came out don't call it old make me feel like an old ass man uh, yeah, yeah no, it's, 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 it's been a it's, long time. It's of a, it's of a vintage. <laughs> uh, who was in that one again? Because uh, um, that is uh, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, Danny Kathleen DeVito. Turner. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, my friend, that is the most anticlimactic, anti-romantic comedy you'll ever watch. 
Yeah, funny you bring that up because I heard on a different podcast I was listening to, listened to. I can't remember what it was, but they were they had mentioned that too, and I, I had uh, actually saved it on my IMDb uh, page to you know to go back to and check out at some point. Yeah, I I I if that you was, think Five Hundred Days of uh, Summer is like the anti romantic comedy where it doesn't end like you think, um, that it ain't no like War of the Roses is the gold standard. Okay, yeah, I might have to check that one out. Like I said, have somebody you not seen it before? before? No, I, I mean, I have, I, I think I have on TV back in the day, but I, it's, I mean, that would have been like, you know, mid nineties or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's 20 uh, years ago. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> most anti Hollywood ending movie you'll ever watch. And it, it plays like, a, it plays like a romantic comedy. You see them fall in love and then you see what happens and it's awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it for yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. listening. I'll give that one a go. So, yeah. All right, what was, your, what was your number four here? My number four is a bit of science. It's funny, yeah, because when we started, we were, we were talking about, you know, is it horror? If it's got a monster, is it science fiction? Well, I have a 50 sci-fi movie, which is actually, I consider sci-fi horror. And in the 1950s, you had to have giant bug movies. And I know everybody goes to them, and rightfully so. There's a lot of really good, you know, larger studio films. But my favorite giant bug movie, my favorite sci-fi horror movie um is the deadly mantis from the 1950s and it's basically a giant praying mantis that flies down to maryland and fucks a bunch of shit up and then gets there's a the ending is in this tunnel and they basically it gets hurt and crawls into a tunnel and and they gas it i think that's actually on the outskirts of new york city because it's flying all over that area of the east coast um it's it you know as a kid i found it really creepy as an adult i still find it really entertaining quickly paced and it's one of the best 1950s um genre movies that i don't i mean people talk about it it's not like obscure but i don't think it gets enough credit it doesn't get mentioned with some of the the thing from another world and them and like the gold standard i think it's right up there with them personally and i grew up watching this thing uh, i think first time i i i remember watching it when i was about five or six so that'd be mid seventies with my dad on our local horror hosted show. I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, I've, uh, I've I haven't never seen the full thing from uh, beginning to end, but I have seen parts of it, and I know what the mantis looks like and everything. But yeah, I really love that one. And yeah, you're right. A lot of people do go to them, but you know, there's a lot of those old I, movies like I, that that are really great. Yeah. You know, uh, and I don't keep saying old. Sorry, but uh, you know those classics. Uh, well, okay, these things are these things are sixty class. plus years old. So yeah, they're. I mean, these damn things are made 15 to 20 years before I was born, so. Yeah, yeah, same. Because <laughs> I'm a 1980s kid, so <laughs> I was born literally in 1980. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was already in double digits when you were born, bro. Yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so my number uh, four, I guess, here is um, it, it's just one that popped up a few years ago. And I mean, uh, a few years ago is in less than 10 years ago. Um, I think it was 2016 or 17 when it came out. Um, and this one, I know you have said this one, you didn't like, you have said it because uh, we mentioned this one on the shitty shark show too. And you said you didn't like it uh, because it's basically just pure nostalgia, but that's why I love it. And it's a uh, turbo kid. Um, I just adore the shit out of that movie. Um, it's got like almost everything an eighties baby like me would want. Um, you know, even with the, basically the power glove is what his weapon is uh turbo kids that's why they call him Turbo. you know he uh finds the outfit of this character comic book character called turbo kid and it's all um you know uh 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 what do you call it post-apocalyptic world you know where everybody's fighting over water 
and it's just got some great acting. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Michael Ironside? I think it is. It's uh, in in the um, main uh, villain role, and uh, Mario uh, Chalmers or Chambers, something like that, or Monroe or something like that. I can't remember the kid's name, but he's the uh, he plays Turbo Kid. But it's one of the just a, such a fantastic movie that I really love. I think the gore is fantastic. Um, the characters are likable. Um, there's a really cool color palette in it. Um, the costumes are pretty awesome. Uh, you know, that's, and I know you say you didn't like this one before, but it's, I love a, movie, it. it's a movie that you had to be a, a certain age to have grown up with certain things to appreciate. That's why I like, like there's that horror movie that came out where it, to me, this is like what I call, and I don't mean this in a derisive or, or nasty meaning, but you know, if you're born in the eighties, you were, you were a kid in the late eighties, early nineties. This is like a, this is like, if you grew up watching power Rangers, you'll probably dig turbo kid. And there's a, I forget what's well, a horror movie that came out a couple of years ago that people went batshit crazy over. It's got the evil little girl and they got like the space alien and it's very, very power rangery. And oh, and, um, what's that? Yeah. The or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's another one that I, I mean, I just, I get it. I, I don't like them, but I, I also find the power rangers, you have to be like a certain age to like yeah. be living in that moment. And stuff I grew up with, you know, and it's not like I was even like an adult and didn't get into it. It's a, like, you know, young adult. If, if shit like kid shit got popular when I was a teenager or, or young adult, I'm just I, for whatever reason, I have I've just completely like, ugh, no, but I, I'm not going to say again, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. Um, I just, you know, I think I think if we've talked, I think we've talked about this before in some of our other projects. But if you're new to the show, one of my big philosophies is. Sometimes I don't like something and it's because it wasn't made for me and not everything needs to be made for me. It's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of, I have this like sort of like cold war with, with, with my opinions. It's like, all right, you know, that's not made for me. So I'm not going to shit on it, but I'm, I'm not going to like it either. Um, but you know, don't come fuck with the shit that I had as a kid because you can't come up with your own <laughs> ideas. So I, I do get a little get off my yard old guy occasionally, which y'all will eventually come to know. Yeah. And that, like I said, it just struck me because when I watched it, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know what it was about. I just I saw yeah. it was coming you know, out, got excited for it and was like, Hey, it looks kind of cool. Let me see. And then when, when I watched it, I was like, all the things in it that are basically nostalgia is all literally stuff I grew up with. So that's exactly so you have a connection with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? They were making that movie for not me. for me. They <laughs> were making that movie for you because you have a connection to their source. You have a connection to what inspired them. That's totally cool. I mean, I watch a lot of stuff now where it's like yeah, it's leaning heavily into like the cheesy 70s bullshit. As a kid, that's what I was watching. You know, I mean, yeah. I could sit and watch Buck Rogers from from 79 and I know it's a, I know it's not a good movie or a good show. I know it's not good. I don't care. And yeah. and when somebody kind of taps in on that level of nostalgia, I'm, I'm, yeah, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if it's not any good. I have a connection. So yeah. you have a connection to Turbo Kid. And I bet you a lot of people out there do too. Yeah, and, it's one of those ones that it's kind of underrated. So at least in my opinion, you know, I think I think it's not underrated by the people it was made for. And again. If you're if you're making a movie for a particular audience and other people don't get it, you shouldn't be upset as a filmmaker because that's not who you made it for. If you connect with the people you made it for, then you know, dude, you're winning. You you did what you need to do. 
Yeah. Caveat, too. Uh, I did talk to the guys that made this movie when I heard that they were making um, uh, Turbo Kid 2, and I reached out to them and was like, hey, don't ruin Turbo Kid with the second one. And Because uh, there's three directors to it. I don't know if people know that. Um, a girl and two guys. And uh, one of the guys I was talking to, and he was like, oh, trust me. He's like, if it's not going to, you know, if it's not going to work, we're not going to do it. So they've been at it for some years now trying to figure it out. So I, I don't know. I just say don't make a second one. Just leave it as is because, you know, don't ruin, you know, in my opinion, perfection. But, um, you know, but that's me. So. So what you got for your third one? Okay, so my third one, you know, I just said like some movies are made for a particular audience. Well, this is one that's made for a particular audience, and I'll explain myself. Um, I grew up in Boston. I didn't grow up in Boston, but I lived from the age uh, from the year. Age of 12 to 18, I lived in Boston. I was not a baseball fan. I was a huge football fan when I was a kid, like young kid. I didn't get into baseball until I moved to Boston. And, and that first summer we were in Boston, we went to Fenway. And I am an enormous Red Sox fan. I love the Red Sox. And this would have been early 80s when, you know, you go to the Fenway and everybody's like, listen, kid, are you sure you want to be a Red Sox fan? This is a painful, thankless thing. Pete, you know, a lot of folks listening now, they, they've seen the Red Sox win all them World Series since, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. They have no idea how miserable it was to be a Red Sox fan yeah. for decades. <laughs> yeah. And I and I became a Red Sox fan. And it's sort of this, like, even, even at 12 or 13, I sort of, like, understood the shared misery. And you kind of belonged. Well, I remember watching that first Red Sox World Series. And... All of a sudden, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore are on the field. And I'm like, the fuck are they doing there? Well, it turned out the Fairley brothers were shooting their romantic comedy, Fever Pitch. And it's all about this, this hopeless Red Sox fan played by Jimmy Fallon who finds a woman of his dreams. And it's they were shooting and making the movie during that season where if you don't know how the Red Sox won their first World Series, like in ever, um, not for like not ever, but like for like they were just completely futile for the Red Sox for like 70, 80, 90 years. I don't remember. I have sort of blocked out all the painful memories. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, they when they finally broke through, like they were down to the Yankees, oh three, the Yankees are the most hated team. And while they're making the movie, they were watching the Red Sox make a historic comeback and then win the World Series after, you know, all this shit happened. And, and it was so weird that they, they just kept shooting the movie and kept so that like the end of the movie is them on the field, which is what I saw when the Red Sox actually won. So I've got this connection to the team. Plus, I also have always had a huge crush on Drew Barrymore. Um, I always Ron, thought she was. Huh? <laughs> I said, who hasn't? Yeah, she, you know, and, and so it's such a sweet movie. It's such a great movie. It's my favorite romantic comedy. Um, you got the Red Sox connection. It, it reminds me of that, of the history of it happening. Because, I again, I was there, you know, down 0-3 to the Yankees. Well, of course we're down 0-3 to the Yankees. We're never going to fucking win anything because we're the fucking Red Sox. Sorry if so many F-bombs, but I get passionate about my Red Sox. But, like, yeah, we're not going to win shit, right? And then... We won one, and we won another one. And then they actually have the character in the movie that, like I said, they kept shooting it. And they just have the character in the movie of voiceover and footage of them at the games, and you just get to relive the whole thing. So I love the movie by itself, but the fact that it's also a Red Sox and Red Sox fan and taps me into a personal bit of my own history because I was there watching it as a fan, it's the greatest, greatest thing. I absolutely adore it. 
And if anybody's interested in, in the futility of the Red Sox, when they won that first World Series, <clears throat> there's an absolutely beautiful documentary. It's got like Dennis Leary and a bunch of other folks from, from Boston in it um, called Curse of the Bambino because this whole thing got – the curse happened because for those not in, into baseball, the Red Sox actually had Babe Ruth and traded Babe Ruth for money so that the owner of the Red Sox could put a Broadway show on that face-planted, and then the Red Sox won shit afterwards and kept getting their clocks cleaned by the, the Yankees. So, yeah, that's that. That's a long way of saying my number three is favorite yeah. pitch. Oh, no, I get you, though. I, 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 am, I am not concise about shit, dude. No, I, I totally love this movie, too. I, uh, You know, I'm not big on romantic comedies, but when they're done right, I really like, I really like them, and... Um, like I said, who hasn't had a crush on Drew Barrymore? So, you know, watching all Drew Barrymore stuff, one day I happened to find this film and I ran across it and I was like, oh, I'll give this a watch, you know, because Jimmy Fallon, eh, you take him or, you know, I could take him or leave him. But Drew Barrymore, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm in. <clears throat> so I started watching and I actually really enjoy that movie. And I'm no Red Sox fan at all. I, I, I am a sports fan and I love baseball. And I mean, I hate to say that my team's the Oakland A's, which is the shittiest team in the league right now, and whoever actually moved Vegas to Las A's? Vegas, which really yeah. sucks, and I don't know if I can continue to be a fan of a Vegas team, but I'm going to have to, I guess, tough it out. Uh, I already lost my other football team, which I don't even want to get into that shit. But anyway, so I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I do appreciate that movie, and I really like it, and it was done really well. Of course, yeah. you know, the the Fairley brothers, so they do a ton of great stuff so. oh yeah they're always, and and you you know what else just since we're both talking drew barry can we both agree the wedding singer is a really great movie despite oh, I Adam sandler i oh, mean yeah. drew barrymore is so good in that movie and again that's a nostalgia movie that's like the music the fashions everything because it's set in the 80s um you know the inside joke of like take off that shirt you're gonna make the there she's his ex-girlfriend's wearing his van halen shirt and he's like take it off for you curse the curse the band and they break up well that's exactly the time they <laughs> broke up um yeah so uh, good good stuff yeah so well so my friend my number three this one's a little bit uh this is more of like an emotional movie for me and uh you know for those that don't necessarily know me uh my older brother uh passed away in uh 2006 uh don't really want to say too much about it you know it's not really you know something a lot of people you know need to know but uh so this movie kind of helped me uh get through that time uh when this all happened and it just kind of showed me uh you know about life and stuff and so i really uh fell in love with this movie it's called united states of leland and uh it stars um ryan gosling and it's got like don Cheadle and some other good uh, actors in it I hate to say this, but Kevin Spacey is in it, which there's a funny scene in it where they talk about hey, him, hey, him as Kevin a Spacey on. just got just got exonerated in court. They didn't have they, they he's he's yeah. free to go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how, how Hollywood treats him. But anyway, so well, in this movie that he's supposed to be this asshole writer. Right. And so uh, but people somebody talks about it and they're like, yeah, but you got to separate, you know, the artist from the art. And that's why I always say that when we you know, we talked about this last episode, you got to separate, you know, the artist from the art. And I kind of stole it from that is where I kind of came, you know, that came to my, you know, like like, a, you know, like a light bulb going off over my head. And I'm like, oh, shit, like that, you know, I, I totally get that. I understand that. Uh, but this movie, it's basically Ryan Gosling's character. He uh, 
he's in love with this girl and and stuff goes bad and and whatnot and it's not necessarily this isn't a, a romantic movie at all uh not necessarily there's romantic stuff in it but so uh you know his character's going leland is going through ryan Gosling's character of leland is going through a lot of troubles and stuff and he ends up stabbing her uh uh, uh handicapped brother uh basically to death and so it's like and he ends up going to jail for it and it's this whole thing about why did he do it and stuff and it teaches you about you know um good and bad and you know uh right and wrong and god and the devil and you know what it's you know sadness and happiness and all that junk and it's it's kind of all in, encompassed in this movie and it talks about and and it's it's there's so many multi-layers to this film it's 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 ridiculous and uh, nobody really knows about it or anything but and so that's where Ryan Gosling actually became my favorite actor because during that time, you know, it was really hard for me with my brother passed away. So, you know, I, that movie really helped me through it. And I only because of, you know, the um, uh, the performance of Ryan Gosling in that because he did such a fantastic job. And it's got uh, what's her name? Uh, Jenna Malone, uh, which, you know, she's the girl in it that he falls in love with and whatnot. But I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, not necessarily for for everybody. Uh, it's not one I watch like pretty much ever. I only watched it during that time. I actually haven't seen it, in, you know, in a decade now. But, uh, but yeah, that's my that's my number three. I really love that one. Uh, it's just you know, it's one of those ones that you know when you're having troubles, you know, it's it's something that got me through it. So because of that, it's my number three of all time. And because you know, I've only had to deal with losing one family member, you know, immediate family member. So, you know, so far, so. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so on a lighter note, let's uh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on a lighter note, I had I struggle for my number two because it's gotta be I love that I love the old school comedies and I love Abbott and Costello. And I always bounce between what's my favorite Abbott and Costello movie. So when I put one on the list, because there's always an Abbott and Costello movie on here, it was either gonna be Hold That Ghost, which is fun. Or who done it? And I just I always lean towards who done it because it takes place at a radio station, which you know, and and the and the 40s radio was television. There was no television, yeah. so yeah. you know, every there's so many movies set in a radio station, um, and I love the setting, and I love it's a comedy, and I love that it's a cool mystery. They actually remade it um, with Brian Ben Ben. George Lucas remade it. Um, Brian Ben Ben's in it. It's it's I think it's the last thing that. Um, 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 uh, George Burns did, um, but it, it, the, the remake is, um, 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 oh, I forget the name of it now, but, but regardless, he, it, they, it's been remade, um, and Who Done It is just a really fun, fun flick. Abbott and Costello get to do a lot of their lines. Um, I personally yeah. think Lou Costello is one of the funniest dudes ever to walk on the planet. I am also a huge uh, fan of of um, the old vaudevillian and like a lot of guys oh, like yeah. Costello, Lou, Abbott and Costello, the Stooges, um, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys, uh, Bob Hope, um, Milton Berle. I mean, these it, I don't know if people younger than me even know who the hell these guys are anymore, um, but Good. these guys all came out of like a really interesting time in america where there's the vaudeville circuit and you had to be quick yeah. deliver so they all had like this really like you think robin everybody's like robin williams is crazy bouncing around delivering lines oh right. no it's like <laughs> no he's doing a vaudeville gig and he, there was like whole bunches of guys that did that because that's what they did every night that's how they made their money and 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 pay for their food um yep. so cabot and costello who done it that's 
that's a great movie. If you haven't catch, caught it before, you should check it out. Um, and yeah, I, there's a lot of cool gags. Yeah, I love them, and I've always loved every everything they've done. They're just all their films are fun, you know. Yep. Especially when you get into the meat Frankenstein and all that shit, and or yeah, I mean, they, that was that was actually towards the middle, towards the middle. Like Dracula and Frankenstein, they met like all of them, right? <laughs> Uh, they meet they meet the killer. They meet the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man is not really a, the horror Invisible Man. It was something different. Uh, meet the Killer was um, they didn't get to work with Karloff. Um, uh, you know the best part is is they did get to meet you know um, Frankenstein and they had like you know Bella Lugosi and Glenn Strange as Frankenstein. Uh, the thing people always forget the end of uh, Frank at uh, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. He's never in the movie, but you hear his voice. Um, there's an invisible man, and it's voiced by Vincent Price. Oh yeah, yeah, I Vincent Price. Yeah, the the, the if you, the the it's just like at the very end. There's you know there's like two lines of the invisible man on the boat with them as they're getting away from the island, and oh yeah, Lon Chaney's the Wolfman in that movie. Um, but no, the the guy that drops the two lines that's Vincent Price. No so they worked with Lon Chaney, Vincent Price. They yeah. worked with Glenn Strange and Bella Lugosi, and then in Meet the Killer, they worked with Boris Karloff. So they did. They worked with every. They they met the Mummy, which is actually probably that was really kind of just they just sort of did it. It's not a very good movie. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, you know, like you said, it's all kind of odd villain, you know, odd villainy, villainy, yeah. however you want to, however you say that. Uh, but yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, so uh, my second favorite movie uh, is. Uh, I've mentioned this on all kinds of stuff, and if you haven't heard my other podcast, uh, In the Mouth of Monster, which is basically I've stole the, from the title of this film, um, which was actually stolen from H.P. Lovecraft, but uh, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, um, yeah, which is actually taken from H.P. Lovecraft's story called In the Mountains of Madness, which I've read, and it's insane. It's so crazy. Um, but this is John Carpenter. He basically kind of stole kind of stole the idea but more it's more uh you know land-based whereas the hp lovecraft um story of it is is like you know in a different land and it's aquatic and all this uh to, so john carpenter just kind of took the name and kind of did his own thing with it but i absolutely love this film uh sam neill um charlton heston a uh, bunch of fantastic actors in it um it's to me it's i think it's when it comes to horror movies and i think movies in general i think it to me in my opinion, it's the greatest film of all time. Uh, I think the special effects, the acting, the directing, just everything came together, um, you know, because uh, K&B, uh, Nicotero, Berger, and um, uh, uh, Kurtzman, you know, they all did the special effects for it. Uh, there's tons of monsters in it. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, and it's about a guy who basically is living a book that's being written by this author who's more famous than Stephen King. And people are starting to believe so much in the author's work that things are starting to come to real life, including the monsters and stuff. And Sam Neill's a character who finds himself trapped in this uh, small town where all this shit's going down. And he's basically being told that he's the book that the guy's writing. He is the character of the book. And he's like, he's, he's like, I'm not a character. I'm a real person, you know? Uh, but yeah, I absolutely love this film. I just think there's so many aspects to it uh, for the simple fact that it touches on personal belief, which is why we're telling you our favorite, you know, films here. These are what we, you know, believe are the greatest in our opinions to us. And to challenge somebody's personal opinion on any matter, no matter what it is, any subject matter, uh, people, you know, if it's not what they 
what they believe, they'll go crazy and tell you, you know, no, that's wrong and this and that. And that's why I love that movie because, you know, it's basically saying, uh, you know, because like how money is basically, you know, a thing that's not real, but we all consider it this real thing. But really, it's just paper that holds no real currency. Yeah, we all go on believing like it is and we, you know, and the world runs on it. But that's all personal belief. And so that's why I really love this movie. Uh, I don't think people give it enough credit. It's really super underrated. It's part of his Apocalypse trilogy as well, along with um, uh, Prince of Darkness and, uh, you know, The Thing. Uh, but, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's pretty much, to me, in my opinion, like I said, it's the greatest movie of all time just because of all the aspects and the subject matter and just everything they did it. There's a couple jump scares in it that'll scare the shit out of you if you haven't seen it before. Um, just, And like I said, some of the greatest special effects I've ever seen. They made a literally a wall of monsters that comes down this tunnel. And um, one of them's called the uh, Hot Dog uh, Eater. And it was like this, uh, when I was a kid, we watched the, uh, the special on TV about it before the movie ever came out. And um, they showed a whole thing on the monster and everything. And we, me and my little brother fell in love with it. And we were like, dude, we got to see that when it comes out. So I searched, you know, high and low for it. And one day, I finally, I was like, oh, and it was about, I think it was 1995, four or five. And it was coming out in the theater. And I saw it and I go, oh, that's that movie. And so we went and saw it. I could never find that special talking about the hot dog uh, eater ever. And just a couple years ago, they came out with a new uh, DVD of it, and it actually has that on it. So, you know, and I was like, finally, it like, I was like, that was the movie, you know, because I was always wondering, was that the movie, you know, because it had been so, you know, uh, like a, a year or so later that the movie came out after we had saw that special, you know, and I, I was just but a little teen back then. So uh, it really shaped my life. And I love this movie. And, you know, uh, I think it's the greatest thing of all time, but. But yeah, that's my number two. So sorry to ramble on a little bit there, but no, it's all good. <clears throat> uh, my number one all-time favorite movie, and I will die on this hill, and I will fight anybody that disagrees with me. Um, I think it's the greatest movie ever made. I think it's genius. Um, but it is uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. I love this movie. You talk about K and B, um, you know. The the end being Nicotero and K and B, well, Nicotero learned from Savini, and Savini did the special effects and Dawn and Day, and and uh, of course a ton of other shit. But uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, the social commentary, it's just a movie from start to finish. I've watched it probably six seven hundred times now. Um, and, you know, I've spent uh, my 15th wedding anniversary and 20th wedding anniversary at the Monroeville Mall. I make a yearly trek out to Monroeville just to hang out <laughs> at the mall. I, I actually went to the airport um, where the airport scene was shot. So I've got a picture of myself sitting in front of that building. Um, you know, basically, I got the I've actually been to for the original Romero trilogy damn near every filming location that's accessible and available and still exists um i've been to the you know but but dawn is the same way i've been to all the filming locations um and i just man i went on a zombie walk and and got to hang out and with the actors uh years ago at a zombie fest i got to say that i was hanging out with um um you know ken foray and 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 david emge at the monroeville mall where they shot the movie Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a Romero nerd, huge Romero nerd. 
Um, I love everything George Romero. Well, except Martin. And actually, well, lost yeah, uh, not not a Martin fan. <laughs> and of course, they're you know always vanilla. His like, but like his zombie movies, the first three especially. And actually, the older other ones are starting to grow on me quite a bit. I think yeah, lands a lot better than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, which but, they shot part of that out here in Arizona, and I had a chance to go do it, but um, they were looking for. Um, uh, you had to like pay a certain amount of money or whatever. And you had to have like an ID, uh, like a driver's license or whatever at that time. I didn't have any of that shit. So I couldn't do it. And I was like, Oh, but I was in the theater the night it premiered here in Arizona where it was actual premiere. And, uh, it was rumored that Romero was in the theater somewhere watching it, but, um, you know, I didn't see him, but he could have been up in the booth watching it with a projectionist or who knows, you know. But, yeah, it was it was, it was just funny because, you know, the crowd starts talking like, oh, shit, he's here. He's here. You know, and it's like so, and like who's here and like Romero's here and everybody starts, you know, and it's like that, you know, the hair starts rising on the back of your neck because everybody's like, oh, shit, Romero's here. And, you know, it was really cool. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, uh, Dario Argento worked on this one as well, too. The uh, Dawn of the Dead. Um, well, kind of. Um, Argento. Yeah, Argento gave him a plane ticket and and a place to stay and a bunch of money to write the script, and then um, Argento got the finished product and was able to cut it for all non-U.S. regions. So all the different different versions of the movie um, are Argento, except the American version, which is the version I always watch. I think it's the best. But yeah, Argento technically didn't work on the movie. Uh, I think he was on set for a day. But he did cut it, and and it, the movie does not happen without Dario Argento. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those movies too. I think certain films when they come along, and there's a lot, you know, there's a you know good amount of them nowadays. But certain ones that come along where they're just literally just masterpieces. It's like a perfect storm of things coming together, and you can never remake you know something that great. You know, like a Jaws or or something like that. And I think this is one of those movies too, where yeah, it's not my one of my favorites, but I totally understand. It's one of my my uh, younger brother's favorites. He loves the shit out of this one. And I've met Ken uh, Forey also, or Forey, or however you say. It. And he's just yeah, he's a really nice guy. I got him to sign my uh, VHS uh, special edition, you know, collector's edition uh, uh, jacket that I have for that. But yeah, I love the shit out of this. And I've seen, like I've said, I've seen all. I actually got lucky enough to see all of them in the theater except for Survival of the Dead because it's never been played in the theater. And if it is, I will definitely be there, you know. If oh, I... it got played in Pittsburgh, dude. Oh, see, so yeah, I haven't, we haven't had it out here, but I have yeah. mentioned it to my guys at the Majestic because out here they play all the classics. I mean, we just watched um, the Prowler. Almost, almost so all the Romero's movies. Next week. Almost... Yeah, almost all of Romero's movies either have a world premiere or a U.S. premiere in Pittsburgh. That was kind of a deal breaker if he, so like, the very first time Land was shown in a theater to an audience, a paying audience, was in Pittsburgh. Um, so Land and and then they, I mean, it was like the day before they rolled it out to all the other places. Um, but uh, um, and when I say well, it might have just that, been it's it might have just been this Arizona premiere that I was watching. I don't know, but I well, remember them saying but, premiere, so I don't know. Yeah, it was like, a premiere of some sort. So he that I think they road showed um, land for a while yeah. before it got wide release. So he might have been traveling around with it. Um, I know they road showed the later films um, that he shot in Canada. Um, yeah. The other ones, uh, Survival and Diary. I know it was a big thing because it was like a um, it was like a midnight showing and 
uh, like they and like you know has been said that they shot some of the scenes in Arizona, so it was kind of the reason why he was playing it because he was like, oh, you know, yeah, the, but it's Romero in Pittsburgh. Even though he stopped working in Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he always he always came back to his Pittsburgh. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. to that guy. He's yeah, yeah. he's sorely missed. Yeah, one of the greats. So, oh yeah, which yeah goes into mine, which is funny. Uh, so my number one pick here, um, you know, I, I only it's. It's not necessarily my favorite movie, but it is uh, for specific reasons. Uh, I think In the Mouth of Madness, to me, is a better movie, and it's, uh, you know, all around a, a way better film. Um, but this one, you know, is one of the classics and one of the ones that got everybody started. And this is the 19, you know, the OG 1978 Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. And I love this film so much just because of the, you know, things he did where he uh, invented some, you know, some angles and things like that and i love the long shots and stuff and it's funny because when i first came across this film I, I hated the shit out of it i watched it one night my dad had it recorded on a vhs um, back in the day and i watched it and i did not like it because i had already seen freddie and jason and other stuff like that which was a lot you know there was blood and gore and, and cool things in those when i watched the original halloween you don't even see blood i mean there's a, a little bit of blood yeah. in the beginning but that's there's yeah, there's there's a legit argument to be made that Halloween is not a slasher film, not for what slasher films became. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I could, yeah, I could totally get behind that. Yeah. I, and, you know, and the only reason I love this film is because without Halloween being made and the popularity of John Carpenter rising to it was, we wouldn't have in the mouth of madness. So I give credit where credit's due, and I always say that Halloween's my favorite horror movie, and I've seen it now five times in the theater. Uh, you know, and I love it. And I've got the posters on my wall. I've got T-shirts. I've got the toy. I've got, I mean, anything you could think of pretty much, you know, like I, anything that's Halloween I love. It's my, you know, it's my my favorite thing. Uh, uh, Halloween, Halloween is the, for me, but, every every October, the last movie I watch to tap on. I always have a, a marathon, a movie marathon. And if we're, if we're still doing the show, come October, you will be given um, updates on where I'm at with my marathon. But it always, always ends with Dawn of the Dead um, followed by um, Halloween. Halloween is always like the last movie. I try to time it so Halloween is playing when it actually goes and rolls to November 1st. Um, yeah, I kind of do the same thing. Last year I got yeah. lucky. Uh, they played it in the theater last year on the 30th and 31st. So I wouldn't watch it, both of them back to back. That's Just on digital, right? Pay. You know, they, they show it on digital, though? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 yeah it wasn't the 35 year. millimeter, but, you know. Well, there's there's apparently, legend, legend has it uh, that there was one 35 millimeter print still floating around. And it was very, like, red and and it had seen better days right oh yeah it, sure <laughs> it, and this has been about god about 10 years ago my wife came to me and asked me if i wanted to see this 80s band that we we listen to and, and enjoy erasure and they're like she's touring they're touring the states pick a city we'll turn a vacation out of it well my friend at and and towards the end of october erasure was playing in austin texas do you know what else is in Austin, Texas? What's the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. And right in the middle of when we were on vacation, guess what they had at the Alamo Draft House? The so he, supposed last 35 millimeter print of Halloween. And I got to watch that print. I, I, you know, I, huh. I, I, I love this movie, 
but I saw it on TV because I was like, I was like not old enough to see it when it first came out. But and I saw it on on VHS and every like everybody else, I saw it later on video and on yeah. cable and on TV, right? Yeah. Never had seen it on film. And that was a bucket list thing for me to see it on film. And I did. I finally got to I got to see it on film. And I don't the that print is apparently not circulated anymore at all. Yeah. The Alamo Draft House got it um for a couple of weeks to show in Austin. And that's just the 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 rumor that I the people who actually book shit have told me. Years uh, then years later after that, uh, we have a small theater here in that I was programming movies for, and I actually paid. That was on digital, but I paid to have them show it, so I got to see it again in a theater. But it was it was digital projection because I, I I paid to actually uh, three hundred bucks for to to show it for a week. I paid the rights. And, oh. and ate that cost myself and then gave a shit ton of tickets away to people to see it in the theater. Nice. And, and you know what? Nobody fucking showed up. <laughs> I would have. I think, I think there, the no. biggest crowd we had all week was like 12, 15 people. Yeah, they've played it out here like six times or whatever. Yeah. And Ooh, I, I, I've missed once. So, the, I mean. <laughs> yeah, the, the theater that I was Only because I couldn't for, go. The lady, it was, it's a nonprofit, and the lady had wanted nothing to do with movies and certainly nothing to do with the movies. So she went out of her way. She wouldn't even put us on the marquee. Yeah, see, I wish I could have seen that, man. That would be so fantastic to see 35 millimeter print of that. Man, because, I mean, like I said, I'm, Michael Myers is my favorite character of all time. I mean, I have literally almost every, I, I wouldn't say uh, almost every release in the world because uh some of the releases releases from other countries i don't necessarily have but everything released out here and at least in arizona that's ever been released of halloween every copy you know starting with vhs you know all the way up to blu-ray i have every one of them i have the whole box set i have the actually couple box sets i had the vhs uh wasn't really a box set but you put them all together uh i had that um you know it's just i mean it's you know it's my favorite film of all time but oh and like i said only because of things like um how much it costs he shot it in three weeks it um you know the score was done in three days um it's just you know like i said it's one of those films where it's a perfect storm of things just coming together and i didn't like it to begin with i thought it was really boring and slow and just stupid and there was no gore and stuff and then i watched it a few years later and i understood more about you know when i when i understood more about film in general i watched it and go oh wow man these long panning shots are fantastic you know some of these tracking shots and stuff he does and and the um, first person point of view stuff that he kind of stole from people it, um, and whatnot <laughs> yeah, but you watch some of the shots, like you know, the the shot, the, the famous scene that I don't think anybody really appreciates, but it's it's insanely good. Is when the you know you see the white of the mask and it sort of like comes out of the shadow. Oh yeah, goes oh. from not being seen to being there. Yeah. You know, that, there's That's a lot. if you if you watch Halloween and then you go and you start watching the other slashers after actually watching Halloween, you'll be like, oh, oh, yeah. I see. They, they're aping this, they're aping, they're trying to be, you know, these guys, so many of these movies are trying to be Carpenter. Well, I mean, uh, Craven, Wes Craven said Scream was literally, he stole, he basically made, remade Halloween. That's what Scream is, if you look at it. I mean, all the same, yeah. there's even same characters, uh, names, and, and things like that. It's basically, he, and he has said, he stole, stole it, almost all of it, from Halloween, so... Which R.I.P. to that guy too now. So, <laughs> I'm I'm not a big Craven fan. I'm just gonna put that out there. 
Uh, I love, you know, his classics. I, and there's a couple like, uh, was a deadly friend. I really like that one, but there, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of all. I'm not, I don't, I'm not really a huge last house on the left or Hills have eyes type of guy. I don't really like, you know, I, I mean, I, I have watched those and, you know, I've watched them, you know, each multiple times, but I'm not really a big fan of them, but, um, but yeah. So that's our tops. That's our, all of our top favorites there. Um, now let's, uh, talk before we get into this pope exorcist let's talk a little bit real quick here about slother house because you had said you want to talk about this yeah trailer. Oh, I saw I a trailer trailer for this and man that shit looks good looks like zombievers but with a way better puppet oh <laughs> uh, yeah it, i you know somebody's like dude you gotta check this. i listen if you again this is episode two so you're all new to this and many of you are probably new to me um hey he, he, donovan knows if there's a shitty movie coming out a shitty horror movie i have got to watch it i don't have a choice and if it's if it's like absurd like um i'm also super excited for crackoons um you know actually um, i do want to do that i, yeah, I don't know why yeah. it looks so it sounds so dumb and looks so stupid but i for some reason i want to watch it that's why you want to watch it because it sounds dumb and stupid because either yeah. it's going to be dumb and stupid and you're like eh, whatever or yeah. you're like watching it going oh my god they managed to do something they took something completely absurd and stupid and they made it awesome and and i feel like like um it, the thing is 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 everything like so so this is like cocaine bear inspired it actually plays out like the sloth you know, lady it's a sloth it's like her best friend her, uh-huh. it's her pet and then the sloth becomes homicidal and starts murdering everybody. It like, doesn't look like a killer bit. animal movie because yeah. there's even a shower scene. It looks like it's a fucking slasher. Only the slasher is a sloth. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks, I mean, it looks ridiculous, but it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. So like for anybody out there looking, it's all, all over YouTube. It's slother house. Um, like Slaughterhouse, only Slaughterhouse. Yeah. And in the trailer is bonkers, uh, bizarre. And, and as I find trailers or weird shit like this, movies we're looking forward to, because they promise you the minute it's available and we can watch it, we have to cover Slaughterhouse. Oh, yeah, we definitely will. Like I said, this one, I, I immediately watching the trailer, I compared it to Zombievers. And I don't know if you're a fan of that one, but I love that one. But it's one of those ones where, yeah, this one looks like it's trying to, it's a, you know, actually a little bit better. It's not trying Zombievers, to be. Zombievers. But. Zombievers sounds like a stupid fucking asylum movie. Right? It sounds, I have. It oh, okay. sounds terrible. And then you'll watch it and you're like, holy shit, they took an absurd name. And there's a couple of really dumb things in there. Like if you get by bit by a zombie and shit like that, there's some stupid shit in there, but it's absolutely well-made and it's a blast and it's fun. And, and they basically made a zombie movie, but there's zombie beavers and there's some funny shit that goes down. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's just one of those, you know, it's so stupid. It's funny. And it just, I, I don't know. It just, it's yeah, so I mean, like, when I say oh, as- asylum, I mean like, you know, they have a catchy title, they make something, and it's oh, yeah. dumb, and you're like, all right, well, that was stupid, whatever. But you know, I watched it and they they got the they got the view or they got my money for the rental, whatever. You know, you sort of just agree that you know it's probably not gonna be as good as you want it to be. Yeah. But something like Zombievers kicks ass. Yeah, because uh, like you said, it's a surprise. When you watch it, you're like, Holy shit, this is actually fun. You're like, yeah. wow. Like I actually enjoy this. So. And I, you know, I, I I want Slaughterhouse to be awesome. 
So I hope it is. So when it comes out, we will definitely talk. As about long it. as the pacing is good, it looks like it's gonna be a actually. If you think life. about it, if this movie has the slowest fucking pace and nothing <laughs> happens for long stretches, that would actually be appropriate. For yeah, yeah. Which I just that title alone, man. That's one hell of that's you know it's like it's like uh, Cracoon. You know, it's like one of those ones where that's like. That is a pretty genius title, yeah. man. Yeah. The thing that excites me about Slaughterhouse is in the trailer, they show you a bunch of the creature and it looks really cool. Yeah. So and it does look a little a little cheesy at times, but for the most part, it actually looks really well done. The if, they, if they're willing, if they're willing to show you that much creature in the trailer, that means yeah. they're completely comfortable and proud of what they got. Yeah. And that uh, that means the rest of the, it, it could Maybe they're showing us the best stuff, but I don't think so. I get the vibe this could actually be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm, you know, because I'm like you where, you know, I always find little gems here and there throughout the year and whatnot. And and I, I hadn't heard of this until you told me about it. And this one, I, I have to say, I think this might be one of the best of this year, you know. So we'll see. It's supposed to be coming out. Uh, it says it's supposed to be released uh, August 30th yeah. here. We'll well, and, and can I can I self-promote and segue for a moment? Yeah. The, the reason I find movies like this like Slaughterhouse in these other hidden gems that I might pop and spring on you is because I run a website that I completely forgot to talk about last time. I think. Oh, yeah. And I run a website called crappymoviereviews.com. Crappymoviereviews.com. And, you know, it's funny, like Slaughterhouse, there was an email in my inbox going, hey, man, have you seen this, John? Have you seen this? I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is Slaughterhouse? And so these movies... I've been doing this for so long that it's awesome because these fucking movies find me now. <laughs> people people will see something absurd and I'll get an email in my inbox going, hey, John, have you seen this trailer? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, no, but now I need to see this fucking yeah. movie. Yeah, because, you know, I was like, I was just like, that's a hell of a catchy title because, you know, Slaughterhouse 5, Slaughterhouse. So I'm like, okay, Slaughterhouse. Well, and Slaughterhouse. I'm like, Let's you know, and I didn't. The, I didn't even the original Buddy Bacon movie, Slaughterhouse. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that that as well. Uh, I, although I think Slaughterhouse Five came before that movie, right? Uh, the book. Yeah, but slaughter, but Slaughterhouse with Buddy Bacon. This is, I think, Slaughterhouse is playing more like a slasher. So more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally. And slaughter. Yeah. If you, if, for those who don't know, Slaughterhouse is one. Slaughterhouse is actually one of the slasher movies that got lost in the shuffle of shitty slashers that I actually think is way better than people give it credit for. People don't yeah. talk about Slaughterhouse nearly enough. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I actually really enjoy that one. That's one of the We'll have to, you know, if we keep doing this, we'll have to do a slasher episode. Yeah, we, yeah, we should. Uh, but yeah, I really, Slaughterhouse. Yeah, I just, I, I, I didn't even know what to expect, you know, because, you know, I didn't know it was a sloth movie until I watched yeah. the trailer. And I'm like, holy shit, John. I'm like, what did you, uh, you found a gym here, man. This is going to yeah, be fantastic. Yeah, when that trailer showed up and I watched it, I sent it to you and a couple other folks saying, dudes, you got to fucking check this trailer yeah. out. First thing I do is I'm like, you, when I see a cool trailer, I'm like, I got to make sure this is a real movie because I'm not getting burned on a fake trailer. Yeah. And, yeah. and sure enough, this is an actual honest goddamn movie that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly it's August 30th. So in a couple of yep. weeks, so we'll see. So, uh, Let's move on from that and let's go into so we can, uh, don't end up going too long here. But uh, let's get into the Oops. Yeah, real quickly. Can I give you my hidden gem for the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. All right. So another thing I'm going to do is I actually have like as I, wa I watch a ton of movies and I watch a ton of I have a giant to watch pile, guys. And and I always anytime I stumble upon a hidden gem, I want to share it with you. 
And this is a movie, basically for me, a hidden gem is a movie that I never heard of. And if I haven't heard of it, I bet I, I will wager a lot of people out there have not heard of it. Um, my hidden gem for this this show is from 1961. Uh, it's called Mark of the Dead Man. And it is, there's a, there, I, I'm a giant fan of Mexican horror. And when I say Mexican made horror, people go, you know, you know, the, the you know, El Diablo de Azul, the, um, which I think is the, the Blue Devil or Blue Demon. It's the Blue Demon. Yeah, and or Santo movies. And, and they did a lot of luchador versus kind of horror flicks. Yeah. And they also, there was also a bunch of really cool, um, you know, more classic attempts at there were several studios working in mexico city that were cranking out pretty good movies and what's really sad is for decades on decades they never really got a fair shake never got translated never got dubbed or subtitled and they're just now some of them are starting to drop in in this movie mark of the dead man it's a really fun little bit you've got a, a mad scientist story with a vampire twist basically the mad scientist uses the blood of young women to keep himself young He's executed, and then like a hundred years later, his his ancestor moves into the house and finds the lab, and then digs him up and revives him, and shenanigans ensue. It's a really fun little. Uh, it, we, it's got. A, we've all seen this story before, but it's, this is a really fun and entertaining uh, bit of cheese. I will warn everybody though when I say that he never got a fair shake. And this is one, and if you're not familiar with Jerry Warren, that's fine. But Jerry Warren was a producer slash. And I'm using air quotes here, which is a stupid thing to do on a, on a podcast, but filmmaker um, who liked to take Mexican films and Americanize them for the drive-in, which meant redubbing them, changing the story, shooting extra stuff. He fucking mangled this movie. So if you see this movie under the title Creature of the Walking Dead, that's the wrong version to be watching. If if it's got if it's got dubbed, if it's if you if it's got English dub. That's the wrong version. You want to find it under the title Mark of the Dead Man, and that will have subtitles, English subtitles, with the Mexican original Mexican soundtrack or Spanish soundtrack. Um, it's it's cool. It's worth checking out. And, you know, I really dig it. So that's, again, Mark of the Dead Man from 1961. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, yeah. Just I like watch the right one. Don't watch the Jerry Warren one. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's hop into this post Pope's Exorcist because man, I you know I'm not a big fan of exorcism movies. Like I told you last episode, because you know basically I'm always like <laughs> once once you've seen The Exorcist, you've seen everything else that you know precedes it, or uh, I, I don't uh, you know anything exactly. that comes yeah. out. Hey, everything else references uh, the rules set by The Exorcist. Yeah, and so I'm like, you know, like I'm not a. It's not like I'm against them or anything. I watch them. I watch almost all of them. I just I haven't found very many that stuck out to me. And I have to say that you know, and this is why I love talking to you and wanted you know and wanted to do this whole podcast with you because, you know, you know your stuff. And so you, you had told me like, hey, you know, this is, and I'm like, all right, you know, it's Russell Crowe, and I really enjoy him because when he's like we were saying last episode, when he's good, he's really good. When he's yeah. on. He's on point. He's on point. And man, this was one of those films that I, you know, I was absolutely blown away by how good this actually was. Yeah. So I mean, before we go any further. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know about you, but I need to warn everybody right now. I love this movie. I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. If you don't want spoilers, stop it now and just know that I'm going to recommend the movie. 
Um, because I can't talk about this film without dropping some spoilers. Um, and yeah, I, don't and want to I, I endorse that. And I endorse that endorsement. So <laughs> I say, go watch it too. Before you listen to this, watch it and then make your own decision. And, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah. But yeah. So with that out of the way, we've given you an opportunity to hit pause and stop listening to the podcast. We're now going to continue. So if something is spoiled for you and you're pissed off. We gave you a chance to turn this thing off, bud. All right, so let's um, get in. Yeah, so I want to hear your thoughts on it first before well, I dive I, into I'll it. do a quick and easy plot synopsis. Um, Russell Crowe plays a priest, a priest who works directly and reports to the Pope, who is played by motherfucking Django. Franco Nero is the Pope. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? And we've covered him before. Yeah. <laughs> on so, the Shitty Shark show, you know. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. So Franco Nero, who was Django, the original Django, um, he plays the Pope, and and this is set in the '80s, so you get a really cool soundtrack. Um, and we meet him after. Well, we we find out he's the Pope's exorcist. Literally, he's the he's the guy the Pope sends when they think there's a legit possession. And the movie starts off um, with him going to a house, and there's a kid. Uh, who says he's possessed and they sort of plant the hint right away that um, the ex, the Pope's exorcist doesn't always believe that people are actually possessed. He always in the back of his head yeah. has, this might be a mental health issue, but if I can make them think they've been exercised, that might help their mental health. So it's a really interesting twist because most of these exorcism movies the exorcist is a true believer and there's no question. Yeah. And this one tells the, you, right. Yeah. He's like, this is basically, it's like a placebo, you know, I, I, if I tell them yeah. this then they'll believe it. So, yeah. So it, that, 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 that by itself is really neat. So we see, they establish that up front and then we see an American family moving into a Spanish, um, I think it was a monastery or something um, that they inherited. It's a mom, her son and her daughter, they recently lost a dad. The dad's family, he they inherited through the father's family this monastery place. They're trying to fix it up to sell it to make money so they have a nest egg to go back to America with. They get there. Some workmen break the wrong seal. And sure enough, uh, a demon or the devil or something really powerful comes out. Um, the young son gets possessed. Um, you know, we see Russell Crowe writing a scooter in the most badass way possible. And right. <laughs> he rides his Vespa to Spain. Um, and then he gets there and it's cool because when he gets there, he's not totally sold that it's actually a possession because he's actually, he's like, well, he recently lost his dad. There's been trauma, blah, blah, blah. Very quickly becomes apparent that some actual shit is going down while this is happening at the, the monastery. You have the Pope doing research and the Pope finds some stuff. Um, and then you find out, again, I don't need to go into the gory details because it's fun, but it's not, you know, a big deal. Um, you find out that it's an actual possession. It's tied to the Spanish Inquisition. There's all kinds of screwy shit that's happened. Um, there's another young priest, and the two of them actually have to exercise the kid, which leads to a giant battle with this demon. Um, and, you know, dude, I got to tell you. Um, when Russell Crowe wants to do something, he's really good. 
And what's cool about this is when I, with the title like The Pope's Exorcist, I was kind of expecting it to kind of be tongue in cheek. Um, you have that Russell Crowe delivery where he's very funny while not trying to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he's kind of got that Russell Crowe sarcasm thing rolling in this part. Yeah. And there are a couple of spots where maybe he's chewing the scenery a bit, but it all works. It all works. And from start to finish, uh, there's so much cool shit going on in this movie. At times it's scary. At times it's kind of funny. At times it's just really like disturbing. Um, there's a cool mystery that he's trying to solve. Um, they do a good job of pulling. I, I, I was concerned they kept because they they do pull away from the house and go back to to the Vatican a couple of times. And you keep waiting. I kept worrying that was going to kill the pacing. But every time they pull back, it's to give you a nugget of information. And then they go. So they're feeding you stuff. It's just really it's edited well. It's shot well. Um, the the kid as a demon, and then the the spoilers, mom and the sister when they also get possessed, or the sister also gets possessed, not the mom, but like some of the shit that happens is really, really well staged, well done. Um, dude, I mean, right up front, the pig when they cap the pig. Oh yeah, I liked that. I thought that was awesome. And, and I'm like, Jesus. Okay, yeah. they're they're not playing. Yeah, he like talks basically the tricks the uh, the supposed demon into going into the pig and then shoots the pig immediately to get rid of the demon. Although, spoilers, of course, uh, they tell you that the kid wasn't actually possessed. That was all placebo. Yeah, um, and they were they were gonna <laughs> the pig was already was scheduled to be bacon. So yeah, yeah, but it was just it was just to help the kid and the family and everything else. And I really um, liked um I really liked how they how the demon uh, starts telling secrets of theirs that they thought nobody had and and Russell Crowe's character is like you know I don't have any secrets I, you know I I've told everybody everything there is to know about me and then he comes up with a secret you know it's like that we you know nobody knew you know that supposedly he didn't have but he had you know and I thought that was really cool because he does that to the other priest as well he like you yeah about a secret that he had about messing with the underage girl of some sort. They Basically, he goes where their guilt's at, and he tries to mess with them with their guilt. I thought that was fantastic, you know, because it really plays on, you know, you know, because everybody's got skeletons in the closet, you know, and so they kind yeah. of play on that and like, hey, you know, what's going on over here? And so yeah. I thought that was a really cool aspect they did with it. So, and like you said, that clever, that clever writing there is the secret for Russell Crowe's character. It also establishes and reinforces why he was it the first time he went when it was doing the placebo thing is he actually, you know, was working with a woman who killed herself and who was mentally disturbed. And it oh. kind of like lays, and at least in my mind, it kind of like the great laid the groundwork of that is what caused him to always assume that it may not be a possession. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I'm reading something into it, but it was like, they're, 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 they're using no, that's what it was for. Yeah. Yeah. The plot point there, yeah, that was the they're, they're using it to attack the priest, which they could have just picked something. Right. But they just didn't do that. They did something that they then tied into the narrative and made it feel like it was a real character. Yeah, and then, you know, what else I liked about it, too, was the fact that, you know, in all these possession movies, it's basically one person that gets possessed. And like you said, already mentioned how the daughter gets possessed as well, because you find out at one point that this demon can possess multiple people at the same mm -hmm. time. And I thought that was freaking fantastic. I, not many films do that, you know, yeah. so... Because, I mean, like I said, it's usually focused on one person 
who's you know possessed and then all the shenanigans that go with that but when you throw start throwing in more possessed people you know and that's so you know and this heads back to our first episode where we talked about that evil dead rise and i was like you know that could in itself you take out all the evil dead bullshit in that and that could have been a possession movie just like this you know on its own had you not i mean i know i know they were attaching on to the evil dead to try to make some money on off of the franchise that already has you know garnered a, a fan base but I mean, I thought a film like this, you know, taking its its own twist and doing its own thing, man. I mean, that is, you know, that's why I was like, I found this one to be actually absolutely fantastic. And I, and like I said, I normally don't like it, these films. And, you know, going on your opinion, I know that, you know, usually me and you have the same kind of thoughts on films. And so I, I was like, all right, I'll give this one a go. Let's see, you know, see what it's all about. And to be honest, I was expecting not to like it. Um, not because of anything... Um, you know, because Russell Crowe's a fantastic actor. I love him. And, and you know, I, I just, like I said, a lot of those uh, uh, tropes are tired and repeated. And I thought yeah. that this one found fantastic ways to do things that no none of these other Exorcist films have done, at least not that I've seen. Like you said, the pig thing, you know, the possessing multiple people at once by the same demon. It's not different demons. It's all the same one. Those are fantastic ideas and concepts that, you know, I haven't seen yeah. before. You know, and I guess I guess it just proves the point that you can you could you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can you can no. you can go to familiar territory. You can check all the boxes, hit all the tropes. But if you write it well, and if it's a creative story within the rules that have already been established, yes, and you get a good lead actor, yeah, it won't matter. It's it can still be a good movie. And you know, it's because like. Russell Crowe as a priest, like what, you know, like really, I, I, I wouldn't even believe that, but man, is he, does he, you know, fit this role perfectly? I, you know, it was tailor made for him to be honest. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I enjoyed the shit out of this. I mean, yeah, I, and that's why I said when we talked, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not a huge new horror fan, you know, new horror normally leaves me lacking and I just, you know, I'm just not my thing. But I, I always watch new horror because I want to like it. Um, mm-hmm. And I just had this weird back to back where I was wa- I watched Evil Dead Rise and went, damn, that wasn't bad. And then I watched Pope's Exorcist. I'm like, what the hell's going on? This yeah. is this is two in somebody's a row. To do, yeah, somebody's trying to do something. <laughs> yeah. And and you know what? Um, I know that uh, I know that. um They've already greenlit and started working on a sequel because the end of the Pope's Exorcist, the the, the they, they there's like a whole lot library in the basement of the of the monastery and it was holding back the evil and all that kind of stuff and this is like this is almost like they they uh, it sets up sequels because they're like well we found more spots yeah. that might contain actual like basically actual gateways to hell yeah so. Um, because like when he goes out to the house in the beginning, you and you find out that it's like you like you had said it's an old monastery of yeah. some sorts, and there's all these secrets that they hid hid there, and that was the thing is that the Vatican itself. That's why I love this one too. Is like so the Vatican itself was trying to cover up a lot of these things and didn't want people to know yeah. about. It. That's, well, you know, the, that's the yeah. kind of the thing that Russell yeah. Crowe's trying to figure out as he goes. You know, his character's trying to figure out as he goes along. Well, what he and the Pope actually figured out, like, the, you know, the, the dual researching yeah. thing, is they figure out that, like, when they get to the basement, there's this enormous library. There's the seal of the Vatican. And yep. there's actually the the Pope's exorcist from the time of the uh, Spanish Inquisition. Yep. His body is in the basement. 
And yeah. what you find out is sealed like, himself in or whatever. He know? sealed himself. Well, either or he sealed himself well, in. Yeah, yeah. But like he was possessed, and all the crazy shit that happened with the Spanish Inquisition was yeah. because of the friggin' demon. Yeah, yeah. So, and the church was so embarrassed that one of their guys who had done all these horrible things had been possessed by a demon that they wanted to quiet it. So nobody knew what he was getting into. And then that's what unlocks the whole, hey, there's more of these things. There's more of these gateways out there. We found them. What do we you know, do? When you know, when you get into Catholicism, the Vatican, you know, I, I went to Catholic school and I was, you know, I was born as, a, you know, raised as a Catholic, although I don't necessarily uh, ascribe to those uh, ways of, of life and stuff. But, but yeah, man, it's like, you know, they always have their secrets. So many. Well, and, hey, but you know, that's what's like, interesting. Is, this. Like, yeah, oh, what, what's interesting, though, is, is a uh, a less creative writer would have just made them the villain. Well, in fact, the the actions of the church and the people from the church in the past were villainous, but they they make the exorcist and the pope heroic because they're like, well, okay, this was the church's doing, and we have to fix it. Yeah, because actually, yeah, he went about trying yeah. to to make yeah, things. Which, <laughs> I just I'm I'm, I'm I'm like I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm just like God damn, yeah. Because um, I thought that was a fantastic idea too. That you know, yeah, it's covering up all this shit and there's multiple areas that this stuff is going on and has happened. Yeah, that was amazing. And and yeah, I just like the fact that the, that the organization could be bad and good. It's not like yeah. black and white for them. It is. It's a very nuanced and interesting and and I, listen, man. I don't care if it's a zombie movie, a horror movie, a slasher movie. I don't care, you know, and I don't want to sound, I don't know, frou-frou or whatever the hell you want to call it, but it's art. And and if you write a stupid story, you're hurting yourself. And if you put time and effort into it, like I said, you can you can check all the boxes and, and, and make sure all the tropes are in there. But if you do it in a creative manner, it won't matter. Yep. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I yeah, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of really most Exorcist movies at all. Uh, there has been a few that I actually kind of enjoyed, uh, but I would say, you know, this is one of the very, you know, better. This is one of the way better ones that I've seen. Yeah. One of the tops that I've seen coming out, and and I, you know, I have seen the. I I wasn't around when the Exorcist played in the theater originally, but I have seen it in the theater, and you know, I've seen it a bunch of times, and I own it. But you know, it's, you know, to get something like you said, something new that checks all the boxes, that's brand. It's it's the same thing, but done in a, such a different light that it you know it it re, kind of almost revamps the the genre and it's you know the subgenre in itself. So it could it could definitely give it a kick in the ass. Um, yeah. But the problem will be is like people will try to do what they did. Yeah, they'll try to as, top. as most ca cash ins happen. Yeah, exactly. It won't be written by people nearly as you know, like talented. like Crackoon or Sloth or House, you know, Koala and Cocaine Bear type shit. But you know, <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> bring it all full circle. Since we're talking, since we're talking a little bit about um, Exorcist movies, um, have you ever seen Abby? That sounds very familiar. I don't, uh, I don't know. William, I can the William Girdler flick, and it's a black exploitation movie. And and it's no. In that case, I don't think I have. No. It's an Exorcist uh, homage. They got in trouble. Um, it's one of the movies that that the studio went after to try to shut down. Um, but it's made by William Girdler, the same guy that did Day of the Animal and Grizzly. It stars Carol Speed, who was a lovely, lovely woman. It's a black exploitation version of The Exorcist. 
Um, and um, old Blackula himself, William Marshall, is the is the Exorcist. Um, nice. Yeah, it it's it's a drive-in movie. Don't expect, don't go in with your expectations too high, but damn near anybody that I've ever pointed in that direction, if they go in knowing what they're going in for, a low-budget drive-in movie that's a black exploitation flick, most people really dig it. It's actually a fun exorcism movie. And it is now out there and available after being hard to find for many, many years. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's 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 fun. Yeah, you know, that was, that was part of the reason of this is, you know, because me, uh, especially with, in this subgenre of, of, you know, possess, exorcisms and possessions and whatnot, I just find things to be so shitty. And so it was like I, my expect, expectations, even though you had, you know, had uh, mentioned it and, you know, gave it a good, you know, good, you know, uh, promotion to me, you know, yeah. whatnot, I was still like, eh, it's probably going to fucking suck, you know? And Man. I went into it and was like, and that's yeah. why I love I love having low expectations for things like this because when they are really well done like this and they do pull those pull those stops out all the stops out like they like this one did it's like it, it's a surprise and it blows you away and that's why you know I didn't go I went into this thinking ah probably won't like it came out going holy shit man that was a hell of a movie you know and I like I said I uh, I usually do on the weekends I do a movie night with my mom's you know uh, she was you know she's the one that got me into half of this stuff to begin with. And we watched it together, and she absolutely loved it as well. And she's a very good barometer because she's she's not into movies like I am or you are, you know, she, like we are. She's you know she's just an average moviegoer, and she thought it was a great film too. So you know, I always look at that and I'm like, hey, okay, so, you know, she she got a kick out of it, you know. And she's not she's not, I mean, she was around and saw The Exorcist when it came out, but she's not really one of those type of people that seeks out movies like this to begin with, you know. So yeah, and you know, it, you're not wrong about so many. He, the exorcism movies, you know, they were inspired by the exorcist. I don't even like the Omen movies. And that's not even a possession movie, but it's that whole sort of devil movie Body kind of presence of some. 70s vibe, possession movie kind of thing. They're, all of them are basically kind of the same thing, and I find them all tedious. Um, so I'm with you on that. Where I, And I did not expect this to be a good movie. Um, but I'm like, it's Russell Crowe. It came out, and I might as well watch. Because, again, it's new. I'm going to watch it just so. Because I don't want people ever to say, well, you just don't like new stuff. Like, no, I do like new stuff when it's good. And I think this is good. But but you're right. So many of these movies fall into the same traps that they just, it doesn't work. Yeah. And this one. There's so many possessions of, hauntings of, exorcisms of. And it's like, dude, how many of these do we really need? But. Yeah. You know, when somebody does it right like this, like you said, it kind of helped the fact that they did have, of all people, you know, Russell Crowe, you know, <laughs> a fantastic actor. So, I mean, it, you know, it kind of helps, you know, <laughs> if you can yeah. afford somebody well, like that. I, yeah. And, and you know, it's it's weird, too, because, like I said, um, that I, I, Russell Crowe is one of those actors that will show up for a paycheck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look at the, the he was in the, the Thor movie for a few minutes. Yeah. And he was cleared there for a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame him. Get paid. That's fine. Yeah. 
Um, but you can't, it's like, he's not one of them dudes you're like, oh, it's Russell Crowe. If nothing else, he'll be good. No, sometimes he's not good. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was even like, you know, it's Russell Crowe. And I was like, he did make that one movie. I keep forgetting the name of it, but where he replaced the serial killer. I thought that was fantastic. And so I was like, all right, you know, let's see what, let's see what else he's, did, he's done here. And boom, man, this one, you know, another great role of his. And so sometimes he can pick them, you know, it's just well, a matter of I mean, pick- I think you, I think you can really tell when he's in a project that he enjoying, that he enjoys and he's excited about. Because when, when he is, like I said, when he is good, he is really yeah. good. But yeah, so uh, I guess that'll uh, take us to the end of this year. Uh, All right, so I got to ask you a question. Yeah. What are we doing next time? I picked the first two movies of the of the show. Uh, oh, I don't even know. I haven't really. Th- I didn't. I didn't even give it a thought, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll look. We'll find. I'll think of something to come up with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because there's really not a lot of stuff that's coming out that I'm excited for. I mean, this Lothar House. We could potentially do that if it comes out. Uh, uh, we uh, we just did two new movies. Do you want to do an older movie? Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll have yeah. to figure it out. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll come up with something cool for the next one. I mean, we, you know, these were two two good picks to begin with. Yeah, so, and I, yeah, I don't like you said. I don't necessarily want to go a new one again. Necessarily, probably drop back a little bit. And uh, well, I mean, if cool. if we try to, you know, review new movies all the time, we're going to end up reviewing a lot of crap. So. Oh yeah, no, there's oh yeah, it's a ton of shit <laughs> stuff out there. Like I said, I was expecting this one to be crap too, but it wasn't. So, and I Have wasn't too disappointed that, with, if, with Evil yeah. Dead Rise either. I wasn't really that disappointed with that one either. Yeah. Have you ever um? Have you ever watched? We might have talked about this already. As above, so below. Yeah, I have seen that one. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to look for. I I actually really don't like most um. Um, most of the uh, found footage movies. So I was trying to look around for something there that might be interesting that I haven't seen yet. I've I've seen As Above So Below, but I was just that just popped into my head. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, between me and you, we've seen so many thousands and thousands of movies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably well, not like, healthy at this point. Uh, how about uh, I am gonna watch The Burning uh, this coming week in the theater. Uh, Maybe we talk about that one. It's a little Tom Savini action. We were talking about, you know, Dawn of the Dead tonight and whatnot. It's up to you. Yeah, no, we, yeah. we can we can. I love that with Jason Alexander, you know, mm-hmm. camp, old camp movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I it's weird. I haven't watched. Um, I, I realized I hadn't. Every every summer I watch a buttload of slasher movies. I Normally because I'm also doing a marathon for my website. But after six years, I was running out of stuff to cover, so I did something different this year. And I realized, I, I, I don't know why, I hadn't watched any slasher movies until probably a couple days ago. I watched Sorority House, um, House and Sorority Row, I should say. Oh, House yeah. and Sorority Row. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm about due for my annual burning viewing anyway. So, yeah, let's do the burning. Yeah, 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 because that one's coming out in the theater, and I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to play to a theater of you know of horror fans. So we'll see how fun it is. Prowler was pretty fun, although it's a little bit more serious. But you know, I love the Prowler. I, yeah. I people shit all over that. Kills movie. in that man. The kills in that one of Tom Savini's uh, exploding heads is in it. You know the kills yeah, in I it mean, are just fantastic. The pacing sucks. I but. See, I disagree. People shit all over the Prowler. I think the Prowler's cool. 
Well, I think the pacing is really slow and sucks in some areas. However, I think the kills make up for all of that. So, See, and the gore. Me, and that's Tom Savini as well, you know? So. I think it's a really creepy movie. I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I just like the costume, too, and everything. And Yeah, know. well, and, it, you know, it took... The it took and... <laughs> The, the 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 killer it's my second favorite look for a slasher killer um the the army costume nothing beats harry warden not i'm sorry yeah again, you you can have all the jasons and freddies you want that minor that i mean and i'm i'm glad it didn't spawn sequels everybody's like oh man i wish they made sequels like yeah. no because yeah. then it would have fallen into the same yeah pattern that all the big franchises did I love the fact there's a My Bloody Valentine movie. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Even though they left it open for a uh, sequel. Yeah. Glad they never made one. Yep. So, yeah, all right. Great one. So, yeah, we'll do that we, one next. We could so. talk all night here. We probably should cut oh, it. Yeah. yeah. All but, right. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's it for this episode. Um, hope you all enjoyed listening to us. And uh, we'll be back, uh, you know, in a couple weeks with another episode here talking about the burning and... Uh, probably a shit ton of other slasher stuff so. yeah yeah actually i was gonna ask you a question yeah so i can we uh can we go ahead and um uh well we're gonna cover the burning which is a great slasher movie with savini effects yeah. i want us each to come up with our favorite kill from a slasher movie oh, okay i know what my favorite kill is already yeah. so yeah i got her yeah yeah all right yeah so that, that that'll that'll be how we'll kick off episode three Favorite kill from a slasher movie. Sounds good. So for all y'all that are listening, uh, stay tuned because it's going to be a good one next uh, next episode. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, guess that'll do it for us here at yep. uh, Podcast 19, the new uh, revamped Podcast 19. So We promise not to change the title again. Yeah. Did you have a joke this time or no? Well, I did, but, uh, well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> ooh, I, I forget what joke I told you last time. Oh, uh, dang, it's been a couple Was it weeks. the joke about the genie? Uh, I'm not sure. Go ahead and say it again. Say it. All right. Well, if this is the second if joke. If it starts to be, I'll tell you. Yeah, if it starts to be, I'll tell you. All right. So a guy goes to a, a guy goes to a flea market, finds an old bottle, takes it home, starts to polish it up. And out pops a genie. And oh, the genie's like. I think this was the one you told. Yeah, see, I already did that okay, one. Yeah. Yeah, see. Um, no, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, that was, that was like the joke that's been popped in my head. Well, I will, I will tell you this. Um, hopefully there's no gingers in our audience. And if so, this is said and just good fun. Hey, um, uh, do you know what a, uh, what, what a ginger misses most about, um, uh, the biggest party on the weekend? Red solo cup. Oh. The invitation. <laughs> and there you go, folks. And. That's your. <laughs> I didn't bring my A game this episode. I promise I'll have an A game for episode three. And that, that'll do it for us here. So uh, right. stay safe out there. This is a story of boy meets girl. They made a statue of us. The boy, Tom Hansen, grew up believing that he'd never truly be happy until the day he met the one. The girl, Summer Finn, did not share this belief. You should know up front, this is not a love story. This is murder. 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 <laughs> Are you scared? Don't be. Those masterminds of detection 
those terrific sleuths, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, will solve this crime. Where are they? Where are the bodies? Easy. In all the kingdom of the living, there is no more deadly or voracious creature than the praying mantis. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. <laughs> 